Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. We want to be a lot more focused, action-oriented on taking steps to actually make sure that we're getting first checks into women-led businesses. How are you giving them the actual support system that they need to be able to build their companies? And so we want to make sure that instead of them just attending a luncheon, we actually want to make sure that they leave and feel like they have actual steps to go and continue building their companies. Three, two... One. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest. Yes, we have two guests on the show today from Los Angeles. We have Katie and Caroline. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. I feel like with that hello, we should start a music band. (laughs) Happy to be here. (laughs) And so go ahead to kick things off. Each of you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and why you're together on this episode. Sure. I'm Katie Vanderark. I'm CEO of a company called Lendtech. We're a lending operating system for real estate debt lenders. We're based here in Los Angeles. And the company really came out of my background working in real estate finance. Most recently was working at a debt bank here in L.A., and left my job last year to start the business. So and scary. So scary. Took the plunge and uh, yeah, we've we've been building for a year now. We started onboarding customers in the spring, first paying customers in August. Yay, so yay. we have customers and revenue. I'm Caroline Cherkasky. I'm a partner at Auric, a law firm doing tech VC startup work. So I'm working in Santa Monica with companies and venture capital investors around the country on early stage and growth stage financings. And, you know, now I remember we met on the rooftop. That's right. We right were sitting next offices. to each other. Yes. I love it. And then why are you both together? Other than I essentially met you both together, but not together at your event that you co-hosted. What brings you together for your company? Outside of Lentech, um, I started an organization called Two to Twenty, and, you know, as we, I think a lot of us uh, who do work in tech know this of a statistic around only 2% of all venture capital in 2022 went to female-founded businesses who were solar founders. And I think we all, um, a lot of women in tech, share this vision of, you know, how are we allocating more capital? How are we supporting women-led businesses? How are we giving them the support and the system that they can actually build and thrive in? And that's really, I think, our shared mission of how we can, you know, both on a day-to-day basis, but also outside of that through our events and a lot of the community building that we're doing. Yeah, I mean, we got introduced through Sophie, like Katie said, and immediately I just felt a, a strong connection. I love sponsoring events in the LA ecosystem, but I have a special place in my heart for sponsoring women in tech events, just building that community, women founders, women funders. So I'd say our event in June was 
it was a small luncheon. Um, we, we packed the place, though. Attendance was amazing. So what we're looking to do in January is build on that, have more of a, a half-day program, something a little bit longer, a little bit more structured, but with the same wonderful energy. Yeah. We want to be a lot more focused, action-oriented on um, taking steps to actually make sure that we're getting first checks into women-led businesses. How are you giving them the actual uh, support system that they need, the services that they need to be able to build their companies? And so we want to make sure that instead of them just attending a luncheon, we actually want to make sure that they leave and feel like they have actual know, steps to go and continue building their companies. And Katie, you're not primarily an event producer. You're building your own company. So can you give us clarity on what your company does and how Caroline's involved in in your company? She's not actually involved in my company. So we really just collaborate on a lot of these outside events together. So I think we're more as like individuals of being a, you know, of female running a tech company and I think a partner in a law firm. And I think, you know, for Sophie being a, you know, a partner in the tech banking space, it's really being more that as individuals who are part of the ecosystem, how are we all coming together to build together? And that's more that we stand kind of as individuals, but that we're trying to come together and, you know, even work with folks like yourself to make sure that we're building this ecosystem and really helping women build their businesses. I threw the event last year just as a, you know, an idea that I had in my head around what could we be doing to build support and like catapult female founded businesses. And then also how are we getting women in investment, you know, positions? I see a lot of women hired at venture capital firms. A lot of them are hired into support positions, um, you know, and how do we get them on the cap tables? How do we get them as partners? How do we actually get them returning the capital of the fund? And um, so that's really what I want to see is I want to see more women in the rooms that I'm walking into. And so with that, we, you know, after the kind of success of a really large um, LA Tech Week event in the in last, last year, we have decided to do another big event that we'll kind of go into. And that's really where I started collaborating with Carolyn. I got introduced um, through our really good friend, Sophie, who now works at JP Morgan. And, you know, kind of like we were talking about, we are very like-minded individuals. Yeah. You know, we operate within our own companies. I'm a founder and Carolyn's at Oric and Sophie is at JP Morgan. But really, I think we have the shared mission of like, how are we um, building women up in in tech communities? Totally. And Caroline, I had the privilege of meeting you at that event that you were involved in, which is so cool, so serendipitous that you get to be here now. So tell us about Oric and like why you were attracted to Katie. And it, it's 2 to 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2 to 20. And was it called that at the time? No. No, no, okay. No, this is a, new. Okay. It's a new org. It's <laughs> yeah. a new org, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, tell us. Yeah, the event was not called 2 to 20. I think mm-hmm. that's evolved over time. That was yeah, always the mission yeah. that we didn't – if you were at the LA Tech Week event, you wouldn't have necessarily heard that phrase. Yeah. So Katie and I got connected right before that event. They were looking for a partner for a sponsor, and I – Sophie knew that uh, I was involved in the community. I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm a partner at Oric. We're a law firm, full service. My space is startup, venture capital, financings, early stage, especially here in the in the LA community. So the, one of the best parts of my job is to get out there and sponsor and get involved in uh, local ecosystem events. And I have a special place in my heart for women in tech. So aside from just meeting Katie and feeling 
immediately, like, this is a person I want to spend time with. Like she said, we shared this mission around how do we build up community for women founders and women funders also. So that was our LA Tech Week event in June. We packed the room above our offices in Santa Monica. And then now we're going to look to do something much larger scale. Have you been a founder yourself in the past? When did you become interested in founders or in technology? Why did that become a personal interest for you? Yeah. So I actually uh, started my practice in Silicon Valley. So I was in the house in Palo Alto in the heart of startup and VC world. I came out of law school and I had never worked um, in, I just went straight through from college to law school and then came out. Didn't really know what I wanted to do other than something corporate and immediately had a lot of access to, because I was in Palo Alto, to startup work and loved that you can get really hands-on with founders from day one, even if you're a really junior lawyer. So I loved this, the immediate value add and nimble nature of the VC practice being an outside partner to these founders who are going through really critical events and don't have an internal person in their company to advise them. Um, I came down to LA about 10 years ago, been doing the same thing down here, and it was just a really fun time to be in a growth market down here. One thing that I've learned in my own you know, tech journey and just being a businesswoman is you have to have a lawyer. <laughs> like you just, you have to. And it, that's a very confusing thing because the other thing that us startups usually are is broke. And so like you have to have a lawyer and you usually don't have the funds or your fundraising. Um, Caroline, how do you recommend we navigate those waters in the early days from as easy and basic as incorporating to equity shares to protecting us in not so great situations, maybe there's a co-founder fallout, a dev stealing our code. Like these are very common things. So how how do you suggest to us um, navigate the relationship with an attorney? And also, how do we find the right one? It's a great question because the right one is not the same answer for every person okay. or every company, right? It's a very personal relationship. I love what I do, but there are many other people doing it also. And I think finding the right person that you click with and want yeah. to share those ideas with and feel like it's a conversation and not just work and not not being scared to pick up the phone maybe because you'll just have an off-clock lunch yeah. with them where you can talk about process and, and um, That's you know, so planning. That's so key. Can we really like not lean into that but just like – say it again, not being afraid of picking up the phone to ask a question. I think that is so important. Mm -hmm. If you're working with someone where you feel like you can't call them to pick up, that's just the worst. Right. And a lot of what I do is a long-term relationship yeah. too, right? It's not about, are we spending 10 minutes now? It's it's building that yeah. that whole long-term life cycle relationship. Right. Um, and But it, it is a lot of uh, early stage discussion. I mean, it's it's pat, but an ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure. It's very, very true for co-founder scenarios, dev scenarios. Yeah. Just making sure, you know, finding someone who does this kind of law. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. There are a lot, there are lots of people who do that, right, that might be the right fit for you at a certain stage. Right. Right, as opposed to just, say, going on some random online service that may or may not specialize in yeah. that so you can protect yourself. And I think just asking those questions and going to where I do, I do a lot of workshops. Other people do workshops. We have these. I, I'm not sure what we're going to do with the event in January. We're going to actually solicit input from people who register to see what we think is going to be most valuable for them. But I've done different legal workshops, you know, Startup 101, Pitfalls to Avoid. And you can find a lot of those in the ecosystem. And those can be really uh, high value with zero cost. I remember when I, when I started my first company, I was so excited about the attorney process because I I had my goal set on being the Google of the action sports industry. And I was like, I want to have the coolest attorney so I could. Anyway, I went through a really wild attorney journey, which is a story for another time. 
but I remember how important it was to me to have the right team and and the right law firm was uh it might sound boring when I say it out loud but it was like I remember how excited I was about finding the right law firm you know what I mean but yeah Katie so walk us through more this relationship now with Caroline and with yourself and what that looks like and just even the three of us I feel like we're all allies here. And I think it's a really important example because unfortunately in our community, sometimes some of our peers may feel the need to, for lack of a better term, step on someone else to get ahead. I, The three of us here really be, believe that there's enough abundance for everyone and lifting all of us up together. So let's talk about how both of you lift one another up, what that looks like. Caroline, you have a lot of trust in Katie. Katie, you have a lot of trust in Caroline respecting your work. What, what does that look like to grow together and elevate one another? And what does respect look like between the both of you? I know we keep mentioning her, but Sophie, I'll, I'll start with her. I know she's not in the room, but um, I actually, one of the first experiences I had where I felt like really valued and supported after Mm. launching my business was I got introduced to her when they were previously at, um, she was at SVB and she immediately backed me, made sure I could become a client, which is in it when you're an early stage business, trying to get signed on with the right law firm, actually getting a bank to take you as a startup client is a big deal. And then, you know, a big part of what she started doing was hosting a lot of events for early stage B2B SaaS and fintech companies. And she always put my name up for events. I mean, yeah. continuously. I think from the time last October um, to, you know, the springtime, I think she, like, invited me to, like, 10 different events. She recommended me for a few different panels. And I think that's a lot of, like, where I started learning about, like, we can really, like, it doesn't have to be that whether I'm working with you as a client, if I'm a client or not, or vice versa, it's not about that. It's that I believe in you and what you're doing in business. I'm going to back you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to send clients your way. I'm going to give you honest feedback. Right, I'm right. going to do a lot of the things yeah. that a good friend would do. And that's been like so important. And I think especially for you, you've given Caroline has given yeah. me a lot of um, amazing, thoughtful feedback, especially I'm, I'm a first time founder. Yeah. I've never run a SaaS company. I've never run a FinTech company before. And, you know, like I'm scaling, I'm actually just launched with our first UK client and like another hey. applause. Ooh. Yeah. Not hey. easy. No, not easy. And very well deserved. Very well. It's, we, you know, good things are happening. Um, but you know, there's a lot of like, legal compliance stuff that comes up and also just giving me like thoughtful feedback about how to like carry myself within the space and like how I'm conducting myself. And then if we, if, and when we start expanding, like, what does that look like? And that's just invaluable. So I think that that's the thing is um, when you start building these relationships, I think you think about, um, it really is just, we're friends. Yeah. We're, we're thinking about each other. Like you all come to mind when I think of like how, like, what do I want to be doing? How do I want to be conducting my business? Who do I want to be doing it with? Yeah. And that's really like what I think it comes down to. Exactly. Who do I want to be doing it with? I think that yeah. the, we talked about before people getting on panels, people going to events. And like you are top of mind if I say, oh, we're having an organizational event for Los Angeles Venture Association or something. Let's invite Katie, right? Because I know her and I know what what stage she's at, what she might need. 
and just again whether or not we're working together formally if that's the right time or not it's we're we're friends first and think of each other as what how can i support this person what do they need at this point in their in their career um, and likewise, Kitty thinks of me. You know, she'll invite me to things as well, which I really appreciate because we're we're plugged in similarly, but but also differently around the community. So it's just nice to have that overlap. Like Esprit, last week you invited me to two things in one week. Wait, did I? You yes. You are <laughs> you are so kind and thoughtful. You invite me to social setting events. You invite so me to you know that podcasting. sounds like me. I absolutely yeah. adore no, you. So I, I'm not you know, surprised. Like that's that's just um, like. I know that your mind, you're going a million miles an hour and you still like take a moment to text me, think, you know, say I'm thinking of you. It's stuff like that where I just, it's great. It's so kind. I mean, you know? Katie is in my yes compartment in my mind. So. <laughs> yes, member. Yes. Um, the member of my yes club, but like where I will say yes to anything you need. And like, you're the first person I go to. Caroline, I think something that would be really beneficial to our community listening is a lot of people have told me, oh, man, Esprit, I I wish there was events that I could attend. I wish I – w- and I would say go start something. You don't have to wait for them. They're like, but I don't know anybody. I think it's a really interesting perspective as a, a sponsor. What makes it worth it for – you say Oric, right? Am I yeah, pronouncing it yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what makes it worth it for Oric? Like what are they looking for? So the purpose of the question is different listeners around the world that maybe want to start something there and they want to grow it to the level that Katie's grown it. What should be some of their goals so that their sponsors in their areas would be interested in what they're doing? And I think starting with the question, right? If you reach out to someone and say, can you sponsor my event – I want to know. I want to know why you why you thought of us, yeah. right? And what what your goals are for it as well. So, and Oric is a large law firm. There are lots of different people doing different things, and finding the right person, whether it's um, you know in in the startup practice here, I like to sponsor women and women in tech events. Um, and so, for me, the value add there is you know who's going to be attending? Uh, are we building community? What are we getting out of it? It might just be that we're sort of putting our name out there and making sure people can meet each other, right? right? And that as simple as that can really be valuable, small lunches, small dinners, um, or big marquee events where we're connecting people and making sure that, you know, Auric is top of mind, but also that we're spreading the word around, you know, these are, it's, it's better for everyone, the rising tide lifts all boats, if the LA ecosystems that are connected, right? Yeah. I want to connect this funder with this founder and make sure that they know each other. But how does that, or maybe it's, as simple as you just put it, maybe I'm very hard on myself. Like, how is it that Oryx, like, yeah, we're, we feel good about what's happening here? Or is it as simple as you just said, and am I overthinking things, which so many of us overthink things? I think it can be simple, right? So every every year is different. Every budget's different, right? And yeah. every, uh, in our case, I, I have some discretion over how we spend some things, and I have to get approval for other things. So finding the right person and finding someone who's passionate about the same things. That's why Katie and I can work together yeah. really well, because we say, this is what we want to do. And she knows that I if I have to pick between doing one of five things, right. top of my list is going to be women in tech, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. Hopefully I can do more, but it, if, if we have the same priorities, right, finding people who share yeah. that and who have the ability internally at the organization to push for it and, and defend it and say, here's why I want to do this. Totally. So I produce a lot of small, more intimate events, and I was talking to one of uh, – somebody who's wanted to work with me in the past, and I'm like, I don't understand – I don't think you do because you don't understand. I have eight to 15 people at my stuff. It's like not the party you're looking for. And they were like, what do you mean? I want the eight to 15 Mm -hmm. people. So I proactively never 
told anybody, any sponsor, partner, anything, because I just defaulted to nobody would want to be involved with something small. And it wasn't okay. until that that person was like, why have you been keeping this from me? And I, and so for everybody listening, please don't, um, again, don't close your own doors. Ask the questions. Become curious. Reach out to the brands that you like, that you like, genuinely like and admire and say, I would love to do this with you. What is beneficial for you? Here's what I'm thinking. Like, just don't we sh- we all as a community should just stop closing our own doors like and start having this imposter syndrome of I'm not enough I don't have anything to offer I mean I've been there uh, I've probably been there 15 times this week like you know in country I don't have enough to offer <laughs> like <laughs> like we just we need to all raise up and that's what I love about uh, I don't know if allyship is a word but your your allyship is um both of you are constantly lifting one another up Katie what are some of the things that we could do to support you as a community in your company now? What are some of the current maybe obstacles you're facing that as a community we could maybe be a solution to? Like, are are you actively raising right now? Are you looking to hire someone right now? Uh, your dream customer, how can we support you? It's interesting. My business is so specific. So very few people really understand like the private real estate debt lending space. So I think that's kind of niche. But yeah, we're, we're actively fundraising right now. We've only raised a small amount of money over the last year, which is great. We've you know raised a small amount of friends and family and then uh, took 100000 from Forum Ventures, which was great in the spring. They've been phenomenal supporters of me. That's a big part of why I wanted to even like take venture capital money. I think that's something also a lot of people think about when you start a business of like, should I be taking right. venture capital money or not? Did you say forum? Forum ventures. Yeah. Is that, where are they out of? They're a B2B SaaS group. They're based out of New York and mm. Toronto, um, nice. but they have, they have people all over. Um, they're a very people oriented firm. And I, I like couldn't say enough nice things about them as well. They, um, when you think about like hiring people that like really get it and just want to back other really good people, it feels like I found a good home there. So they've been great. Been working with them since um, I think uh, March or April. Just to take a step back for a second, how did you discover them? Yeah. And then what was the application process like? For sure. So I got introduced through another investor. You know, the one thing that you do when you launch a company is you you try to go out and raise friends and family, uh, get a few checks just to like get the idea off the ground and right. try to do some initial sales. And then you start talking to a lot of like uh, more institutional capital, like pre-seed investors. And, you know, sometimes you're a fit, sometimes you're not. And like I said, my business is very, um, you know, specialized. And so a lot of people that do generalist SaaS or like generalist fintech are not a fit. But the one thing that I, I will say that's been really great, and especially about the LA community, and like this did not exist when I graduated college here, um, is our LA venture community has grown and there's a lot of really great people. And what I've found helpful too is that even when people are not a good fit for us, you know, or we're not yeah. a good fit for them, um, they've made introductions. I would say that like most of the time, a lot of these VCs have been really great about being thoughtful and making introductions and even like months later, like, hey, checking in. And and it's just, it's it's been a, a great experience 
for the most part. And yeah, and so we got introduced through another uh, fintech investor. I wasn't a fit for them, but he made an introduction. And Forum really likes the space that I'm working in. I think they're trying to spend a little bit more time on like the investment thesis around real estate and especially around lending. And um, so they they took a bet on me, and they've been great so far. And um, we just finished Investor Week with them. Uh, we did two weeks of kind of investor calls, which was like that's oh, exciting, little roadshow. Yeah. So I think I ended up doing about 45 calls in two weeks um, with VCs wow. yeah, all over the country, which has been... It's exhausting. Exhausting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... You're almost there. Apparently, you have 55 more calls before you get a yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to hit the, like, the 90 to 100 mark. Um, yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been good. And something I've had to really work on this year is like I am by nature not... I'm a promoter of everybody else around me. I'm, I'm a really great support system. And so having to like put the CEO hat on and like pitch myself and pitch my business and why I really do think what we're building is valuable has been like a very big growth moment for me this year. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long road when you're <laughs> pitching yourself for months on end. Totally. And I want, I want to actually ask you a question about that. But before that, I want to kind of bring full circle. So what's something that the community yeah. could do to support you? Yeah. I mean, if, if there are folks that are investing in the pre-seed stage and, um, you know, in real estate finance, lending specically, servicing and lending, um, always happy to chat. So, you know, early How can investors. they reach out to you? You can just reach me at katie at lentech.co. K-A-T-I-E. Yeah, at lentech.co. So feel free to just shoot me a note. What is the story that you have in your head as the founder of your company? I know my story, and I think sometimes my story sometimes holds me back. Yeah. Like the, the, the narrative I'm telling myself. Sure. For me, it's I'm not enough. Like, mm. I really struggle with that. Mm. I'm not enough. And it goes, dates back to, like, you know, how I grew up, whatever, wah, wah, wah. But, <laughs> but you <laughs> know. We, we all got the story. Yeah. But I, I'm really proactively working. For the last two years, I've hardcore worked on learning how to love myself. Because yeah. I'm, like, so over me thinking I'm not enough, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'm yeah. not there yet. <laughs> thank, thank you for the for the We're, in, doing, we're doing, doing the work. Yeah, we're thank you work. for the in-progress. Yeah. Like, uh, sure. applause. If you're comfortable no. sharing, and it might be too vulnerable, yeah. I, I It's not that. I, To be honest, I've always had, like, a pretty good relationship with myself. Yeah. That, that's not it. It's By always, the way, it wasn't an assumption that's yeah, a negative. No. It could be, like, I'm a badass in your head. No, yeah, like, no. I mean, no. Yeah. I, I think I um, – I will say the story I've been telling myself is that I am, like, a great number two. I'm a great chief of staff. Oh, interesting. I am, like, the number one promoter of everybody else. Yeah. And if I even just could, like, take a fraction of that and turn apply that towards to my – Apply it to myself. I love this that's answer. That's been the, the hardest part for me is, like, I'm just really great at doing everything for everybody else and wow. needing to – turn that back on myself. I think that's such a great answer. I think there's so many people that that feel like some sort of storyline. And that's the beauty of storylines that we can change. There are no. our own storylines. No. Like they're not real. No. Hey, going back to your, your conversation around like the panels and getting up for events and stuff. Like my first job out of college, I worked in PR. Yeah. And I actually um, worked on a bunch of small tech companies. Yeah. was part of it. And I was constantly pitching them, writing yeah. press releases, always thinking about like, what's our positioning for these businesses? Yeah. 
And I, for the longest time, had a really hard time being like, I'm that business now. I'm the founder. How do I write yeah. my own story? How do I, you know, I I don't think I've ever applied to be on a panel still, which is like something I'm working on. Actually, you're one of those? Yeah, girl. Caroline! I get on a panel. <laughs> I, this, you asking me to oh be on a podcast, gosh. I would never ask. I would never, you know, and so that's something that I'm that's so interesting. having to, to turn the, the table on. Yeah, because it's. I just I'm so great at being like I just I see the best in everybody else and yeah. like I, I genuinely believe in what I'm doing so like I feel like if you talk to me about what I'm building yeah. you get it and so I just need to be able to like bottle that and like turn that You know around. what's I I feel that a lot of the times it's the people who deserve the shine the most the ones who aren't asking for the shine mm-hmm. you're I think Caroline would agree with me you're phenomenal like oh, you're absolutely. just like, so sweet. Right? You, you're just – you're phenomenal on all levels as a human being, Aww. as a businesswoman, as an intellect, as as a, a supporter, a cheerleader. You're charismatic. You're empathetic. Aww. You're thoughtful. You, you're so many wonderful qualities. That's so nice. It's amazing. So it's like I would prefer someone like you take up space, take up airtime than someone who's full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Can I, I also just sing your praises for a second? Oh, I, I sponsor so nice. a lot of events you with, guys. And, and so often it's with a professional event throwing company. Yeah, right. You are a full time founder who also organizes these things and does them really well. Like, I, I don't know how you find the time, by the way, but it's, I don't know. it's pretty incredible. Esprit and I, we, I think we might operate on a different speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. Just don't guys. become this. I'm like out of operation at the moment. It, it's Please a lot. sustain your energy. Yeah. 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 No, we were talking about before we started recording how important the ingredient of our spirit is to our creations. And uh, I think that's absolutely true with what you create, both within your company and the events that you produce. One thing that I really appreciate about you, and I and I believe you feel the same way about me, is both of us highly that and Caroline from the little that I've known you I th- I think you're on the same page with us is the three of us highly value um authentic relationships mm-hmm. I could tell by the way you you've spoken since you arrived you know it's j- just like really authentic relationships where it seems as though our society and our culture with this like allergic reaction to social media and it's like photoshopped like illusions we're moving into an era where vulnerability is appreciated and not looked away and it's not it doesn't seem to be like a trend or it just seems like please give us something that's real we're like we enough with the robots and the photoshop mm-hmm. how much do you think that plays into your success and I'm going to go with Caroline first for the companies that you've seen do you think that the authentic relationships is a superpower or do you think we're still a little bit ahead of that and it it still needs to have this polished perfection vibe because let's be real that's what we've needed to be for several years in order to raise the money to close the deal so where are we and what you're seeing in your portfolio companies yeah, I think both things are true in in a way, right? Yeah. You still do have to polish things when you're raising money. There's no substitute for doing the work and putting presentation forward that actually says, here's our story. And when you're a founder, 
you know, showing here's where we're going to go. You have to be all in on yourself and all in on your company. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there there is a lot of room and appreciation, I think, in the community for being being real about here are the struggles we're facing. Here's a realistic look at what we think is going to happen. Here is where I come from and how my past experiences inform what I'm doing now. And I think that also builds more authentic relationships, which people appreciate. But you still have to be polished. I think yeah. both things can be true at the same time. Mm. Katie, what do you think? I would say that I have an easier time being a bit more authentic when I'm talking to VCs and mm. like other tech operators and business owners. Um, I would say it's a little, I have to be a little bit more buttoned up with like on the client facing side. Mm. Um, my clients are banks and yeah. private lenders Makes and sense. they want somebody that has, you know, their, their business together. So I think there's like a mixture of being um, authentic about, especially this like I think one way I can try to present myself in this space using that analogy is uh, the, this market this year has been wild, not the best year to start a company in the private mm. debt space. So, you know, and being okay with that, being authentic about like, yeah, it's it's been a wild year and we can openly be like, we're trying to build a company and if we can make it through this year, we're probably going to be fine, you know, but being realistic about like, it's not all rainbows and sunshine about building a business this year, um, you know, for somebody in my position. So I don't know. And I think that's a big part of like doing a lot of it offline. I think some of it we can share online, but I also think that's why I like events. That's why I like mm -hmm. in-person, you know, events and dinners and small gatherings, yeah. because I just think I can be far more open when people get to know me yeah. personally and share, you know, like how, how, you know, it might be going building a business versus like, publicly sharing a lot of that online. Yeah, yeah. And those are the events that I want to go to, the ones where people are going to be sharing totally real experiences, honest feedback. Here are the struggles I had. Here's where I'm coming out of things. You know, we have limited time to attend events and other things in the ecosystem. We don't want to go hear someone give platitudes, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's – and that's a little distinct from when you're We have pitching. Instagram for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or Twitter. <laughs> Swear. It makes me just want to – when I log in to sometimes – I'm very, like, not on social media at the moment. I log in for 10 seconds, and all I see is, like, plat I'm like, I can't. I just, like, log back out. <laughs> yeah, not a big value add. <laughs> um, what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome in your career, and how did you overcome it? Oh, there's so many. It could be at any chapter of your career. Yeah. To be honest, there's been so many. The early part of my career, I worked in startups and all of them failed. So Aww. I think that's um, – but Heartbreaking like, and so real. Yeah. I mean, it was like very – from a young age, I felt like I learned – I will always say this goes back to my parents. So my, my parents are like the two most like phenomenal people I know. They always told me to just swing big. And, you know, if you fail, like the one thing about them is that like uh, – I could always go to them. I could always yeah. turn to them. Yeah. And so they gave me permission. So like from a young age, my like, you know, second job um, was at a ed tech company startup in New York. And we tried getting it off the ground. We got a little bit of funding. I was there for about a year and a half and failed. And then I went to Las Vegas, worked on a big startup there. Didn't, you know, last that long. I think yeah. I lasted like a year and a half there, worked on another tech company. Yeah. And then after all of that, it was like, okay, we got to we gotta yeah. maybe pivot. I started a career in physical real estate development yeah. and then also went back to get my master's. Yeah. Um, and so I had to have like a little like moment with myself around like, what am I actually trying to get out of myself? What do I, you know, what are my expectations I'm setting for myself? 
what do I actually want to achieve? Yeah. And but like, and that happened when I was at like 28, I think. Mm. Um, so a lot of like life changing moments happened at 28. Speaking of narratives, did you ever take on responsibility as a narrative? Like, even though it's not your responsibility, there's a lot of mechanics. But you're the reason I ask is you're such an empathetic, caring person. Yeah. Like I know you're so loving. Yeah. And so I feel like if I was in your shoes, I would have been like, this whole company is my responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> always. Always. Yeah. Even though it was not, I was never it's the founder. Not. Yeah, yeah, I was never the founder. <laughs> but like, did I carry the weight of the world? Of course. And so how did you overcome or did you even take on pieces of narrative with that? And did you have to overcome that too? Of course. I like also had my identity so wrapped up into everything I did. <sighs> I, I, I have no I, – I, I now am so much better at it. I had no separation between what I was doing at work and, and who I was. Yeah. I feel like it was the same person. Yeah. And that, that was really the year where I had to like actually separate that like a failure of a business doesn't mean I'm a failure. I'm, I'm great. Totally. And it's right. And it's like we, you know, businesses are always it's they're going to go out of business. Your position might get cut. You are not your yeah. job. Yeah. I am like most of my close friends don't work in tech. They don't know what I do. Yeah. They don't understand my day to day operations of my life. And they still like me for me. Mm. And it's like my family loves me, supports me, regardless of anything that's not yeah. gone right in my career. And so I think the moment you can like take yourself out of it. And, like, I still um, – I would say that, like, I'm a goal-oriented person. So when I achieve things, it, that does still validate me, but it doesn't define me. Define you. Caroline, what do you think – what is a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it at any point in your career? So mine is more geographical. Um, so I started in Silicon Valley, like I said earlier. And that is the heart and soul of where the, where the tech and VC world is. I was up and coming as a lawyer doing all that work and – uh, we had to move down to Los Angeles yeah. for my husband's job. And it was really hard for me for a couple of years. I went back and forth. I spent one week every every month up in Silicon Valley based down here in Los Angeles before remote work, right? So it wasn't like hopping yeah. on a Zoom. It was – It wasn't cool. It, it was, no, it was it was like an exception yeah. that was made for me. And it was, it was really draining, right, to do that. But I wanted to keep my career going. And after a couple of years of that, you know, we – we actually fell in love with Los Angeles and decided to stay down here. But for a long time, that was really hard to maintain those relationships and those those networks, right, on top of just working many hours and flying back and forth. And, and then taking the plunge to say, actually, L.A. is where I want to be. L.A. is growing, and this is exciting, and I want to actually base my career down here and work with companies that are building something in a little bit earlier stage in the ecosystem. And so now you love it. Oh, I, I'm never leaving. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I'd say obstacle for me is that, and I feel like I'm currently working on overcoming it. When I first started my previous company, I believed in it entirely. I I just had no doubt that it would be huge, and it was a very exciting chapter of my life. And then after years of having that company, I experienced hardcore failure. And I was like, oh, so you could say all the mantras, read all the books, and it could still just not work out. And it really, uh, like you were talking about, like your personal, having a separation between your personal identity and your business, like I, that was one of the initial lessons is like, I was so wrapped up in my company. I didn't know who I was without my company. And then, like, I've been going through, I feel like ever since, just trying to redefine what being a founder means to me and what kind of lifestyle I want to live alongside being a founder. And 
I feel these little like energies of elation when I see like I saw a masterclass recently and there's an interview with the founder of Bumble and I was like it's in me it's in there somewhere mm-hmm. it's gonna come out again I'm gonna sprout again one day it's just but like not a, a company not working out really like not to be dramatic destroys you yeah it like it really like uh crunches your spirit since you have seen that kind of hardship in, you know, startups not working out, why was this a must for you to take on the life journey of being a founder now? Because you know it, you saw it, you had firsthand experience of what that looks like, and you still are like, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. I think I, um, after going the corporate route, I got a master's degree, worked in finance, like went the total 180. Yeah. Um, but I just generally don't think that that's my personality. I think by nature, I'm probably more entrepreneurial. Yeah. I love starting and launching things constantly. So I knew that I eventually wanted to go back to starting something. Um, but I set guardrails on it. So I said, you know, like when I start a company, I actually have to have the experience to, you know, in the the field in whichever I launch the company I have to have like the financial know-how. I have to have the ability to pull the plug probably earlier than I want to. That's the hardest. (laughs) The hardest. And so I think there's just a lot of things that I I waited until I was old enough. I felt like I was mentally ready. I felt like, you know, I had the financial know-how. I have the industry knowledge. There's a lot of those check marks. And I also knew from like the investor side, that's what they look at, right? They want a person that like has their stuff together. Yeah, yeah. That is like being thoughtful about building their business, has the know-how, has totally. the industry knowledge. And so once I felt like I had a business idea that checked all of those boxes, yeah. I made the leap. Um, but I think it's always smart to like, you know, if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, it's okay to always try to, you know, you could always try doing that under somebody else's umbrella. You yeah. can do it inside a company until you have – I think all those things. Um, and this is a big part of why I love having, you know, the being able to have the financial partners, have the legal partners, yeah. the design partners. Right. You want to have all of that pulled together before you start a company. And yeah. so it's like once you know that you have a great idea and you're ready to launch, like that's when you should start a business. Yeah. And you just never know the outcome. It's all yeah. it's that stupid saying. It's all about the journey. <laughs> of course. A few uh, rapid-fire questions for the both of you. Who is a must-follow? A podcast, an author? Oh, someone recommended one to me recently. What? It sounds so good. I haven't checked it out yet. My therapist ghosted me. Oh, I've never heard of it. I've this. never heard of it. I need to listen. The okay. title, I'm just like, yes, that sounds like exactly yes. what I want to listen to. I love it. My therapist ghosted me. I'm such a nerd. I listen to like financial podcasts. That's okay. You can recommend a financial podcast. I love The Economist. It's like a short uh, daily snippet. They do global news and like financial reports around the world. And I just think it's like a good neutral source so that you're not, you know, I think it's hard to find neutral uh, if you're caring about like markets or anything like that. So I'll give another news one. I like to follow Jessica Yellen, News Not Noise, for Mm -hmm. like relatively unbiased. It's yeah. always hard to find that, right? Just she used to be a CNN correspondent and just keeping things up to date. So it's in a very digestible format. Cool. The best piece of advice you've gotten that has advanced your career? Probably be your own advocate. Mm. 
think that's been like the number. Katie, be your own advocate. I know. (laughs) I know. I'm working on it still. Still still working on it. I think a lot of times even like when you're thinking about promotions or why you should get a job, something that I've learned also just even in pitching myself and all these calls this year with VCs is so oftentimes I think we're like we apply to jobs or you apply to school or anything. And um, oftentimes it's from like a place of like the need to have it instead yeah. of why should why why is it good for me? Yeah. What do I need? And why, you know, does this fit into my life plan? Like what mm-hmm. and I, I think so often if you turn that around, it's so much more compelling too when you're talking about it. Yeah. Um, and yourself and like what you want from life. So as much as you can, try to like think about does this job, does this school, does this class whatever it is, does this fit into my life plan? And how can you convey that? Because that's so much more appealing when you think about when you're, if I was in the reverse, if I was interviewing somebody, if I was talking, you know, talking to somebody about a promotion, like why, why is it that you feel that, you know, the work you've done or anything is, you know, great. Totally. Say yes. Which is perhaps Ooh. contrary to our mm. saying in no, my season of no, season of no. <laughs> yes, there is a time and a space for no. no. I think you're right, but say is yes. this the right time for that promotion for that to go after that bigger that bigger role to go after um, just more right and, and realizing, especially as women who often think maybe I'm not ready for that, right? Just saying yes to it and going for it. Say yes. I agree. Say yes, even though the yes feels uncomfortable. Mm, yes, mm. that's a good qualification. Mm-hmm. Because we were talking about before we started recording, um, and we may have talked about in the interview, that a lot of women don't get on stage. They don't – they're not the panelists. They're not the part they, – they don't say yes because they think that they're – Uh, don't have anything to contribute and so say yes even though you feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and just and just be and it's okay to be don't I can't stand when people say stop being afraid hey listen I'm going to be afraid but I could do it anyway I could show up anyway even though I'm afraid like it could be fear and me showing up in tandem yeah Mm -hmm. this is just because I'm a nerd what is your favorite piece of software mobile app website could be anything I'll go first I found a new one called Johanna Oh, I've heard of them. It's a personal assistant service that is amazing. Tell us I've more. been targeted. I haven't tried it yet. Oh, really? With the ad? <laughs> yeah. You know, and their advertising is so funny because they make it look like they're only for moms. And I'm not a mom and I'm not it, like coupled up. So I'm like, I actually asked their customer support. I'm like, am I allowed to use this? <laughs> like, do I have to be a mom? And they're like, no, it's for everybody. I'm like, I can't tell from your marketing. <laughs> what uh, what is it? What does it do? You just put in any task. There's no time limit. At least right now, there's no time limit. Um, all US based, uh, as far as I know, all US based um, assistance, very thoughtful. Uh, they've planned my international trips. I asked them to do some meal planning for me, asked them to help me with my mom's birthday planning. I asked them to help me find gifts. I mean, just anything I need. Like if something came up between now and my next interview, I would just like submit a, 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 th- a ticket to Johanna and they'd get on it for me right away. Johanna, we, yeah. need, we need you. Let, yeah. us, let us on it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how about yours? Oh. I feel like mine is just so work-oriented right now. It's okay. Um, I use Monday for everything right uh, now. Yes, the project um, management app. Either Monday or Notion. Notion is wild. Yeah. I think that's one of 
Notion or Figma. Yes. All of them. I, I'm obsessed all. with all of them. I use all three every totally. day. Figma is like, especially if you're a founder, you can like build wireframing and pitch an entire company just out of Figma wireframes, which it's is true. phenomenal. Um, and then Notion, we have all of our docs for our company, both public and private um, docs, especially around we're working on our SOC 2 compliance. So being able to have a lot of our public-facing stuff and have that all linked and publicly easily um, shareable out of there. And then I use Monday for all of my tracking of, of tasks dev stuff. Um, we actually, I do all of my um, analytics and reporting around events in there. I can send surveys out in there. So I would say that those three applications, I go in and out of all day, every day. Mine is so much more low tech. So I, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> no, I just, two things. So shared calendars and the reminders app. Honestly, I, I yes. don't, I, I know, I know there are better solutions out Wait, there. Wait, reminders app? Literally, just in the phone. Because I, I live and die by my calendar, right? And I have to share it with, I have a shared one with my secretary. I have a shared yeah. one with my husband. I have, I have multiple calendars yeah. at any given time. And I know there are better project management solutions out there, better calendars. But ultimately, I have not put in the time yet to find the best one. So just yeah. keeping it simple is how I stay on my toes. Wait, day. but do you mean the alerts in your calendar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need yeah. those alerts. I would never know where to show up. No, exactly. Yeah. So, and I, we don't get much more, you know, I, work-related things are all, they go through many, many layers of security before we can use them. So I, I don't use a lot of, um, I haven't found new exciting tools for work yeah. at this point, but I think just staying on top of everything is very, is all I can ask for. How can people connect with you? Reach me out. Email, like I said, katie at lentech.co on LinkedIn, just Katie Van Verark. I like to always take meetings, calls with folks. So even if it's, you know, whether it's relevant or not, especially if you're a female trying to launch a business. I know I'm only a year into it, but that's like my passion is being able to like connect with women. I think probably over the year, last year, probably taking in like 20-ish calls with women that are, you know, thinking about launching a company. They launched it. Maybe they're just needing some early feedback. Always love taking calls with folks. So always happy to chat. And can we'll link to you in the show notes as well. But can you spell your handle for everybody or your name, whichever one you prefer? Yeah, it's just Katie K A T I E, and then Vander Ark V A N D E R, and then A R K. You find me on our website or LinkedIn. My I'll spell my last name because it's uh, it's a long one. C H E R K A S S K Y. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember to go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you all the things in the next episode. Bye. 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 This is Katie Vander, CEO of Lentech. Lentech is a lending operating system for debt lenders based in Santa Monica. And you are listening to Women in Tech. This is Caroline Cherkasky, a partner at Oric. Oric is a full-service law firm, and my practice focuses on tech companies and investors. I'm based in Santa Monica, California, and you are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.